Hello, everyone. So this is the live recording of my podcast. My new podcast is called Evolve with Dr. Tay, and it is real conversations designed for autism parents. This is episode one, and it's all about why this podcast is needed. All right, we are going to get started. Have you ever felt as a parent of an autistic child that it seems like no one is speaking to you directly? We know from research that about one in 44 children are autistic, and that number may be even higher because we know that access to receive diagnostic evaluations is limited and that underdiagnosis is common with certain subpopulations like young children, females, and children with high intellectual functioning. That means at least 2.2% of parents, including you, are looking for support for their autistic child. And I have seen as a professional that there are few places you can go for reliable and reputable information that is easy to understand. In this episode, we are going to discuss the need I have seen in the field and what inspired this podcast. We will dive into detail about what you can expect from the podcast moving forward, including an introduction to my whole family approach and how you can figure out a reliable source from one that is unreliable or inaccurate. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental mindset coach specializing in autism. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. I'm the host of Evolve, the podcast where we have real conversations that are designed for autism parents just like you. Each week, we will discuss topics that directly impact your life, from providing psychoeducation about autism and neurodiversity to talking about your personal growth, well-being, and evolution as a parent. We dive into it all. Just keep in mind, nothing shared on this podcast is clinical advice, and you should consult with a medical or mental health provider if you need support. Now, let's get to talking about exactly why I started this podcast and why it is for you. So I first want to touch on the diagnostic process. So you either have gone through this process with your child. That's how you have been able to identify your child as autistic or you're anticipating it. And I want to touch briefly on what it typically involves. Usually we're looking at things like clinical interviewing with you as the parent. We're going to have parents, teachers, other providers fill out reports as well that gives us information about the child in different settings and direct observation of the child. This should be a part of your evaluation. So keeping in mind that the gold standard is what is called the ADOS or the Autism Diagnostic Observation Schedule, but we are starting to see a move away from this as we go into telehealth evaluations. And I even do this in, in my private practice where I've started to do these telehealth evaluations. But that ADOS is our gold standard tool and kind of our basis. So you want to look for a provider that either does it or has done it and is familiar with the tool. And so then as part of this process, what ends up happening, ideally, you should have a feedback session with your provider. And you also should receive a written report. And both of these should talk about recommendations. The report should. You should also be able to discuss them with your provider. Unfortunately, I found sometimes this doesn't happen and that you're lucky if you actually get this. And so why does that matter? Why do I explain all of this? Well, let's talk about your emotions as a parent. So one thing is with your emotions, it is completely different to believe your child has autism and actually have it confirmed by a provider. I've seen this time and time again, sitting across from families, you know, they'll say, I knew, but it's still hard to hear. And it is. 
And one of the reasons that it's hard to hear is all of a sudden in that moment, you're having to shift so many of your expectations. The other thing is it is so normal and we need to normalize this, having these intense, overwhelming emotions, you know, and the thing is, is in that moment of that diagnostic feedback session, can you take in all the info your provider is sharing with you? I often find, again, sitting across from parents that sometimes they're with me, but then sometimes I just kind of cut back on what I'm sharing and I'll do a follow-up. That is not the, you know, situations all providers have. It is the ideal situation. And so the question then becomes, where do you go if you have follow-up questions? I see that often those diagnosing have huge caseloads, long wait lists, which means it's difficult to go back to them and ask questions. The other piece of this is pediatricians don't always have all the information about autism. There are some incredible pediatricians out there, but sometimes they just don't get their range of education about what should be those next steps. And therapists for your child can be super, super helpful But either sometimes they don't make space for you or sometimes as a parent, you feel guilty maybe for interrupting and asking your questions. And listen, this is things that I have observed, but I also hear time and time again from parents that it's like, I don't have a space to be able to ask my questions to get, you know, information. And so here's the thing. There are great resources out there, but I'm seeing that it's very piecemealed. I'm finding that even as a provider. So maybe you can find a good resource about intervention, maybe a good resource about neurodiversity, maybe about how you should be feeling and processing all of this as a parent, but it's like all these different books and you are very busy. You know, you've always been busy. Parents in general tend to have huge mental loads, particularly mothers, although there are some fathers as well that have these huge mental loads. And Your plate gets fuller with an autism diagnosis, typically, because then you're starting all of these services or all of these therapies. And so it makes it difficult then to spend all this time educating yourself. So I basically saw this need and I wanted to create a place that touches on it all. And I absolutely love sharing the education that I have and also resources. And so I'll try at the end of each episode to always give recommendations that if you want to learn about this further, maybe ways to do that if they do exist. And so I created a community is my new Facebook group. It is also called Evolve. And the intent behind that community was a place that parents could ask questions. If you look across all my social media accounts, I love educating about autism. I love providing resources and knowledge and being able to answer questions. But I saw the need for a community where people could gather together to be able to get this information and also then using this podcast platform to do the same. And what's really cool is I stream the podcast live into the group each week and then allow group members of my Facebook community to do a Q&A at the end. So you get a little bit more access to me. Now, I do have to give in this caveat. I want you to keep in mind that just like my intro said, I cannot give any clinical advice. That would not be ethical on my end. So I want to make that clear. But what you can expect from this podcast is that I am going to be sharing things that we know from research or general tips and strategies, or like I said, different resources, all of that. I can share that in this fashion. But for example, I can't say your specific child, you need to do X, Y, and Z. This is where you'll want to go to a provider and work with them one-on-one. 
The other thing I want to address is we also will be talking about neurodiversity. If you're not familiar with neurodiversity, briefly, this is just a shift in our understanding and it's a shift in acceptance surrounding autism as well as other, you know, disabilities like ADHD, for example. But on the the broad perspective of neurodiversity is that it's just understanding that people's brains think in different ways, in unique ways, and it's part of them. It's part of their identity. And so I think it's really important that we touch on this topic. I have to admit, as a provider, I've even evolved. When the neurodiversity movement started coming out, I, I wasn't sure how to dive in and how to start learning. And the biggest piece that I'm going to say today, although we're going to keep diving into this further, is that we need to be listening to the autistic voices. They have those lived experiences and we can learn so much from them. So even as a professional and an expert in the field, I am sitting down, I am reading, I am consuming, I am listening to what they're saying. As a parent, I really encourage you to do the same because you can learn so much. I also plan to interview individuals connected to the autism community to hear their story. And I also hope to bring on experts. So it might be things like, you know, interviewing parents or interviewing autistic adults so you can hear their story, as well as experts in areas that maybe aren't mine that I don't have expertise in. For example, things like nutrition. We find that a lot of autistic children have a really limited range of food that they're willing to eat. And so I'd love to start bringing on experts to kind of fill the gaps so this podcast can be really comprehensive. So what about you? Let's kind of take a pause here. So what about you and all of this? And this is one of the things that I find most often people forget to ask is what about the parents? And you're a really big part of this process. So one of the things, taking a step back and really listening to parents, providing the space for them to share their thoughts and feelings and experiences, I have found incredible value. And learning that, you know, autism doesn't just shift things for the child. It shifts things for the whole family. There is often a lot of learning that has to happen. And then you're also adding on additional like responsibilities, like getting your child to therapy. And so one of the biggest pieces I see for parents is learning to shift expectations. And listen, this is really, really hard to do. It's not easy. It's not as easy as being like snap your fingers because when your child is born, you most likely started to think of your child's future. What would that be like? And with autism, they still absolutely could have that future. It might just look a little bit different. But there also might be pieces that, you know, you do need to really process your feelings around. For example, what we're seeing as a society is that we are building acceptance around autism, but that doesn't always mean that people will be kind to your child. And that is extremely, extremely hard as a parent to observe. And so giving your your feelings, your thoughts, a space to breathe and live, I have found this to be one of the most important pieces of a family moving together, moving along through this journey together versus it being like more, more piecemeal, so to speak, or kind of more separated. And I just think it is so important ask yourself, where do I get support? Who holds space for me? Because sometimes as a parent, you're so go, go, go. 
you're so focused on your child. You also may have other children who are non-autistic. And the question is, who supports you when you're supporting everybody else? And so what I often see working with parents of autistic children is there tends to be a lot of suppression, a lot of kind of pushing down of feelings so that, you know, you're able to get everything done, get everything accomplished. I also find that the majority of therapies out there are going to be very child focused. And and that is important. We know that we need to support autistic children. And again, what about you? Because literally, it's a family unit. You guys move together. You go through this journey together. And so we need to be creating more space for parents. And it's so important that you actually take care of yourself. Now, I know that's easier said than done. Sometimes it's like, okay, great. People tell me self-care all the time. I literally don't have the space. And one of the things that we know is that our thoughts and our feelings affect our actions directly. And so sometimes, too, there can be what we call sabotaging thoughts that are kind of getting in the way of you being able to create this space for yourself. Now, I'm not saying it will be easy. I'm not saying you're going to have a plethora of time, but there are those moments. And that is one of the things that I feel so passionate about and that I want to, as part of this podcast, as part of my Facebook community, to be able to guide you through is how do you start to shift some of your thoughts and create space for your feelings to be able to do the actions that you want to do to get the results that you want. And by definition, doing this is burnout prevention. And we see a high rate of burnout, a high rate of stress among parents of autistic children. Unfortunately, we know that there is a much increased divorce rate among parents of autistic children. And so my goal is to help you be proactive in this, or if you're already in the depths of it, giving you some space to feel seen, heard, and supported. I do want to point out that this podcast doesn't replace individual support. So I do highly, highly encourage you to work with a therapist or a coach yourself. If that's not feasible, maybe finances make it not feasible or even like time, it just feels really hard. At least creating a community of people that understand you and are willing to listen. People that you truly can feel safe around. And, you know, if you feel like you're on an island all by yourself right now, I invite you into my Evolve Facebook community because that is exactly what it was created for. It was created to focus on your personal growth and empowerment as a parent. It's different than a support group where we really are focusing on helping you to move forward and evolve and also to feel seen, heard, and supported. That That is like my motto if you haven't figured it out because I think those pieces are so incredibly important. So this podcast is a starting point. I hope it inspires you. I hope it gives hope. I hope it also answers your questions because I know you have a lot of questions. And it is somewhere that... You can educate yourself about your child's needs and also help yourself in the process. It is a one-way dialogue. So like I said, I invite you into my Facebook community if you want that two-way dialogue. So I want to touch on really quick all of this. If you can't tell, I mean, I hope you can. I am truly passionate about this mission. And what this mission is, is supporting the whole family of autistic children. And so... It is the foundation 
to my personal business approach as a psychologist and as a parental mindset coach. I developed what is called the whole family approach to support autism families broadly. So here's the thing. Each member, this is true of all families, but we're going to talk about autism families in particular because you also don't often hear things that are geared towards your family. And this is what this podcast is, is it is geared towards your family. So each member of the family is interconnected and knowing that one person's behaviors affects the other, right? So as parents, there are shifts, for example, you can make in your parenting style and also personally can have a great impact on your children, whether that's your autistic children or also your non-autistic children. So some examples of this are like increasing your ability to listen to your partner and listening, you know, their perspective. I often see that parents have different perspectives on where they are in this processing process of autism. Some are ready to be in the here and now. Some are very future oriented. And learning to listen to understand the other person's perspective is going to help you guys communicate more effectively. Another example of this, too, is also being able to effectively communicate and ask for help when you need it. This this is one of the most underrated tools. I hear this working with parents broadly, but particularly parents of autistic children. And I will say even more particularly mothers of autistic children of like, I need help, but either I don't trust anyone else to help me or I tried and it, it doesn't go like I want it to go. And so some of it is learning, you know, how do we make those shifts to effectively ask what you need and also shift some of your own expectations that other people aren't going to do it exactly the way that you do it. And so all of these examples are going to help you feel more connected and more like a unit as a family. You are going to feel more supported and your children are then going to also see you modeling effective communication. Similarly, we know we know modeling is an extremely powerful way to learn, including for autistic children. And so modeling of effective emotion regulation, by doing that, you're teaching them emotion regulation. But that requires you to be emotionally regulated first. And so all of this is just ways that we can start to make these shifts that as a whole family, you start to shift together. You start to feel more like a unit. You start to feel more connected and less lonely. And one of the things I want to pause really quick and emphasize in all of this is what about the siblings of autistic children? I find sometimes... Therapy models will make space for the parents. But what about your other children? How do you make sure they feel seen, heard, and supported through this process of having an autistic sibling? And so this is where my passion came into play. I really developed this whole family model, this whole family approach to be able to support families as a whole. And it's something that I just, I have a lot of gratitude because where this came about is by families being willing to share their experiences with me. And that helped me to realize the need. And that's exactly what I'm hoping to do is be able to fill that. So that just gives you a little overview about this podcast and what it is all about and what we will touch on. So I, I want to make sure you take a takeaway from this episode. I am wrapping up something that goes beyond just you listening. So let's really quick talk about how you know 
a source is reputable and reliable versus a non-reliable and inaccurate source. How do you know this? There is so much information. I absolutely love social media. I think, you know, of course, there's some downsides to social media. We can talk about that later. But I think social media is amazing because we have so much now at our fingertips. But how do you know if that is a source you should be listening to? I am of the mindset that someone can have very helpful information if they don't have an advanced degree. So I'm not going to tell you only go listen to people with advanced degrees. Yes, I have a PhD. This is what I've spent, you know, so much time specializing in. Often you see an expert with an advanced degree. That means they've dedicated years of education. And that more likely than not means they may be sharing reputable information. But guess what? I've also seen people with advanced degrees not share reputable information. So that that is not the point there. But using caution when you are listening to things, you know, particularly if you're seeing someone without an advanced degree share about medical information or mental health. And I want you to ask yourself about how they know this information. What is the source of this information? Are they speaking about themselves? Which is absolutely fine. That is a powerful thing to do on social media. Or are they speaking about people generally? Here's the thing. Individuals are always experts on themselves, but that doesn't mean that they're experts on the topic. So just being aware of this and asking yourself, how did they derive their information? So some key things is I want you to watch out for extremes. People recommending this is the way are often missing a part of it. We, we know that a one-size-fits-all approach doesn't work for all people. And so my colleague and friend always describes this as the nuance is missing, that, you know, some of those subtleties, some of those necessary tweaks are missing. So if anyone's advertising one thing as the way, that that is a thing to be a little cautionary about. And yes, I just said I have my my whole family approach. I feel so passionate about it. But within that whole family approach, I'm not saying this is exactly the way we do it. This is step by step. You have to follow this. There's flexibility. And so every approach should have flexibility is what it comes down to because your child is different from someone else's child. I also encourage you to monitor for causation. So what do I mean by this? That one thing causes another. We hear this a lot in the autism field. If you aren't familiar right now, it's being pushed across social media. And there's actually lawyers that are are starting to say, is this you? But there is a link between taking acetaminophen in pregnancy and an increased risk for autism. But that is being watered down to say, saying that taking acetaminophen or Tylenol causes autism. No, that is not what the research says. And so we need to be really mindful that there is not one singular cause of autism. Nothing has been identified. We do know that there are risk factors. And all that means is that there is an increased likelihood of autism being diagnosed. Basically, what it's saying is that when one thing goes up, so does the rate of autism. But it, it's not causation. Causation would say that because X happened, then Y has to happen too. So if we take this acetaminophen example, it would be saying when you take acetaminophen, that means autism, right? That that means a child is going to be diagnosed later with autism. And there were many kids in that study that their parents took acetaminophen 
and weren't diagnosed with autism. So it's not a causal factor. It just means that there is an increased likelihood for something. And there's lots of examples. So if you took acetaminophen during your pregnancy, please do not take from this that you have caused your child's autism or start to worry about it. It is natural for the brain to worry, but just know that autism is really multifaceted. We know that a lot comes in. And one of the biggest things that we know is a risk factor is actually genetics in all of this. And we know that genetics play a strong role. There are some genes that have been identified, but not all genes. We also know that environmental factors play a role, too. This is helping us to understand the nature of autism. These studies aren't meant to place blame on you as the parent. But I see this a lot where parents consume the studies in a watered-down way, like acetaminophen, causes, I wish you guys could see me, I'm air quoting right now, causes autism. It does not. But then parents start to blame themselves in the process. So why do I, why do I talk about all of this right now on this episode? Because I want you to be aware that anyone talking about the direct causes of autism probably do not have the knowledge base that they need to be educating you And also, we see that sometimes these extreme interpretations cause a lot of blame for you as a parent. So you might start to, if you start to see these accounts, they're making you feel really bad. This goes across the board. If accounts are making you feel bad, please go unfollow them, mute them, whatever you need to do, because you have limited time and I don't want you to be spending your time doing something that's going to make you feel worse versus better. So. That is kind of my soapbox about causation. The last two pieces I want to say is we're going to get into more of this later. But on the other side of the coin, I want you to be skeptical of professionals that are ignoring autistic voices. We know that autistic voices can teach us so much. Autistic adults who have lived experiences as a child and what it was like to grow up autistic. And so I want you to be skeptical of people that don't talk about neurodiversity, that haven't educated themselves on neurodiversity and are automatically dismissing autistic voices. And listen, if you're a professional listening to this and you're like, oh gosh, that's me, start educating yourself. I had to take a step back. I had to swallow my pride a little bit and be like, no, 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 no. We need to be listening and we need to be learning from the people that have lived experiences. They have their own unique perspectives and they have their own expertise. And we we need to put our pride behind us and actually listen. And if you're a parent, I again, we'll talk more about this later, but I highly recommend educating yourself on neurodiversity as well. Okay, the last thing is I am a professional myself. I am a child psychologist. I give diagnoses. I work with families, you know, doing therapy, all of that. And what I want to tell you is I want to emphasize never to hesitate getting a second opinion. If you do not feel good about what the professional is recommending, it is your right as a parent to get a second opinion. Follow your gut. Follow your instincts. I have found time and time again that parental instinct, or I often call it mommy gut because I'm working mostly in this this situation with moms, although there are some very involved dads and daddy gut exists too. But like following what your gut says, and if you don't agree with the professional, that is okay. Here's the thing, as professionals, we are not always right. There are sometimes things we miss. Sometimes I get a kid for a snapshot of time and Yes, I've seen hundreds of families at this point. I really know what to look for and all of that. 
but no human is perfect. And as professionals, we are humans too. And so I don't share this to create distrust, but I do share it to remind you that we are human and that you have that right as a parent. And I want to empower you to do that. And so one last piece I tell parents time and time again when I'm sitting across from them is I say, usually I'll say their their names. So pretend I'm talking to me. Taylor, I may be an expert of autism, but you are the expert of your child. You are the expert of Johnny. Obviously, I'm making up a name there. You know, like I love, though, letting parents know that they're the experts of their child because they absolutely are. You absolutely are the expert of your child. And I always want you to work with professionals that empower you to think that way because you absolutely are. And I want you to take from this that it is okay to disagree with a professional. They're not going to always be right. Sometimes they have learning to do themselves. And so following your gut, following your instinct. Okay, well. That was a lot for our first episode, but I wanted to give you a sneak peek of where this podcast is going. I also wanted to give you things that are going to empower you right now. So to summarize, we talked about in this podcast, what inspired this podcast, what you can expect from it moving forward, and how you can identify a reliable source. I hope you found value in this episode and there is more to come. Feel free to reach out to me for suggestions about podcast episodes because I want to hear from you. You can find me on all major social media platforms under The Dr. Tay. I'll go ahead and link all of my accounts as well. That is a wrap for this week's episode of Evolve with Dr. Tay. Thank you for listening. If you find yourself listening to these episodes and finding value, come join the Evolve Facebook group. Each week I record podcast episodes live in that community and host a Q&A after each episode. You get access to engage with me, plus you can connect with other like-minded autism parents. It is a community designed for you to feel seen, heard, and supported as a parent of an autistic child and introduces you to my whole family approach. The group is linked in the show notes. I will be back next week with another real conversation about all things autism and your family life. Be sure to hit the plus or follow button in the podcast platform that you are listening to right now. This will notify you when the next episode is live. Catch you all later.